Charles said, Thank you, stood, and walked to the pyramid, and back through the door into the den. Clara looked over her shoulder at him, thinking. Charles walked through the door into the room which had never been his dad's den, back in that familiar world, the Arcadia, California, of level 36231612 by 38152, that universe where he had lived since the age of seven, apparently. It was night there, and as he left the empty house, he triggered an alarm. His car was there waiting for him, and he seemed to get away with the brief trespass though there was a parking ticket on his windshield. He threw it into the glove box with the others. He took the three freeways back to his apartment in Los Angeles proper. He was lucky enough to have inherited a sweet fixed rent situation from an older brother who'd moved to Beijing back in 20, so he was able to make ends meet working part-time at minimum wage while still enjoying the free cheese and wine of the local art walks and watching the fireworks over Dodger Stadium from his balcony. I say older brother, Charles had lived with three families while he was growing up. Jeremy was the biological son of the ones he lived with from the ages of 12 until 18. It's not really important to the story though. He checked his messages and sat on his bed to get his bearings. He sat at his desk and took out his journal, reread a few pages he'd filled in, and wondered whether or not he had lost his mind. Then. He realized he was still wearing the silver spacesuit from Venus and carrying around a large goldfish bowl helmet and figured he must be sane. He looked at the wall in front of him where he'd pinned up a few of his old sketches from school based on his early childhood memories of the coffee house. He laughed to himself, noticing where he'd embellished parts or misremembered it. He noticed, then, a letter he didn't remember there on his desk. It was clearly his handwriting, and it was addressed to him. It read, Dear Charles, go back two days and go to work. Just an idea. Sincerely, Charles. He laughed and nodded. He walked to one of his walls to put his hand up, but then thought to himself, Which island? He was too embarrassed to face Goth Clara after having left her like that, but he wasn't ready to see Waitress Clara with whom he had recently been intimate, either. He decided to leave it to chance. He rolled two six-sided dice sixteen times, with the first die determining which group of six in thirty-six, and the second determining which one of the six in that group, so that he could get one through thirty-six, since multiplication would have ruled out all the prime numbers higher than six. He wanted to give all the islands a fair chance. From this, he drew 16 randomly selected trigentisex numerals on page 5 of his notebook. Okay, guys, that's 1. 1 and 4 is 4. 1 and 3 is 3. 5 and 2, that's 26. 1 and 4 is 4. 5 and 6 is 30. 
2 and 6 is 12. 5 and 1 is 25. And, and 6 two and, and 4 one is 10. One. Then he grabbed his things, walked up to the wall, put his right hand up in the usual manner, and looked at the randomly selected address on page 5 of his notebook. The door faded into view. That's such a rush, he thought to himself. He remembered the first time he'd seen his dad do the same thing. He was surprised to see on that island some kind of festival was happening. The Malachite floor and the night sky. He walked through the door onto the coffee house island. As soon as he was through, he turned around to put his hand up again on the mirror side of the door. He looked at his apartment on the other side and, remembering how Isaac had opened the door to the bathroom, looked up at the top of the pyramid and said, Same place, two days earlier. He looked back through and saw the same room. He wasn't sure it had worked until he saw there was no longer any note on the desk. He started to walk through and was paralyzed in his tracks by the voice of Clara. Leaving so soon, he turned around to see what she was wearing. It was a long paisley dress and her hair was up. I like your outfit, he said. She blushed and said, you know, I remember everything that happened between you and my sister like it was my own memory. I know, he said, unembarrassed. Your sister? I've never heard you refer to another Clara that way before. Of course not. You've only just met me, she said. If you aren't busy, I was thinking, would you like to meet Charles the Grey today? Charles thought for a moment and realized it was still the same day for her. He said, I already did that, but thank you. He remembered his resolve to keep his life going in the real world. He said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but when you wake up tomorrow, you'll remember two conversations I've had with you. Well, with two of your sisters, I mean. I've got to go for now, though, but I think you're very nice. She howled with laughter. You think I'm very nice? Oh, no, what did they do to you? Never mind, you're right, I'll find out when I wake up tomorrow. Please accept my sincerest apologies on their behalf. I can get a little crazy sometimes. But I do hope you'll come visit me again. Charles said, I will. He was tempted to fall in love with her again, but he snapped himself out of it. He shook her hand awkwardly and returned to his apartment, immediately closing the door behind him. He grabbed a piece of paper and wrote the note to himself worried that he would forget the wording and create some kind of paradox or new universe if he wrote it differently. He laid down and got some sleep. The sun rose. He put on something work-appropriate and walked out into an empty parking space with his number on it. Damn it, he said as he realized his car was in Arcadia. His first thought was, I should go get it. His follow-up thought was, no, I should leave it for myself when I get back two days from now. Then, put the parking ticket! Ah, well, I guess I can't avoid it. He reasoned that he should avoid himself the night he gets back, then come back that morning and the car should be back in its spot. For now, he'd take the bus. He arrived a few minutes late at the appropriate skyscraper, took the elevator to the 19th floor, opened the door with his keycard and his wallet, and walked through the maze of partitions to his cubicle. He poured his coffee, checked his social media, and answered a few emails. 
then grew tense when he noticed Jerome, his boss, looking at him from across the room with a bewildered expression. He began running through a checklist of things he might have done or not done. When he saw Jerome was walking toward him, he seemed to be smiling at least. He said, Decided to come in after all, huh? Charles said, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. After all? Jerome said, After you called in sick. Charles's heart sank. He began working out the mathematics of possibilities and was fairly certain that, being himself, he would not in the future come back to that morning and call in sick, but he knew that, given that he was playing with time travel and multiple realities and whatnot, there might be something going on that he couldn't foresee. So he decided to cover for himself. Yeah, yeah, I I feel alright. I, I just forgot to tell you I was uh, coming in, after all. And two and four is ten. He grabbed his things, walked up to the wall, put his right hand up in the usual manner, and looked at the randomly selected address on page five of his notebook. The door faded into view. That's such a rush, he thought to himself. He remembered the first time he'd seen his dad do the same thing. He was surprised to see, on that island, some kind of festival was happening. There were structures like tents supported by wooden beams, some of which went up three floors, with wooden stairs connecting them. There was music, and the smells of familiar and unfamiliar food. He looked back at the door leading to his apartment and thought, Ah, well, I'll go back home later. He began exploring the labyrinthine structure, moving aside beautiful Persian rugs to get from one incense-filled room to another, to another cooking meat, to another filled with strange-looking people smoking something suspicious. Eventually, he saw a familiar face, but not the one he was hoping for. It was the strange man in the suit who, apparently, had wanted to mate with and kill him the day before. You must decline, the man said with a serious expression. Yes, I must, Charles agreed, laughing. The man's eyes widened. Charles reached for his hand, and the man ran away, repeating, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He thought maybe he should stop trying to shake the man's hand. Charles? That island's Clara said. He turned to see Clara in full Chiquita banana costume. He said, That guy gets around. And before he realized it was happening, everyone in that particular Persian rug tent partition was dancing. They were dancing, too. She shouted over the crowd, Who gets around? He said, That, that scary guy! It doesn't matter. I like your outfit, but isn't it a bit culturally insensitive? She cocked her head to one side, not understanding, then brought it back to her point. What are you doing so far out here all of a sudden? I rolled some dice! She laughed. Oh no, the dice! Are you on page five? I... You mean in my journal? Yes, I am on page five. She said, Every version of the multiverse cartographer has a different page five. I thought this might happen one day. He remembered what Charles the Grey had told him, that his journal would define multiverse cartography. He said, I didn't know that was the title of it! She winked. Why does every version have a different page five? He asked, a bit worried. Clara said, I'll let it be a surprise! He was okay with that. If she knew, but didn't want to spoil it, it must be okay. What's happening here? 
he asked, referring to the festival. She showed him around. They played games, had a few drinks, and smoked some of the opium-like suspiciousness. Once she was inebriated enough, she said, Hey, do you want to see what it all really looks like? Charles shrugged, not sure what she was asking. She snapped her fingers just as Charles the Grey had to show Charles Rubin his true Venusian form 16,000 years earlier, earlier that day. Suddenly, everything from the sky to the sea vanished. He was the only actual human around, and some of the others he saw were indescribable. Others can be described. Suffice to say, it was much like a cross between the Star Wars cantina and a microscopic look at some food that got left out for too long. And Clara? Well, he had seen her like this before, but he'd thought it was his overactive imagination. But there she stood, full of light, humanoid-shaped but with a multiplicity of arms and legs, and one great diamond-shaped eye where her face should be. She snapped again with one of her many hands, and returned to the form of a brunette version of Blythe. Wow, he said. Do they all see me as looking like themselves? She said, no. Humans and many others need to see other intelligent travelers in human form in order to relate with them responsibly. You know, without the urge to kill them and mount their heads on the walls over their fireplaces. Charles was nodding. That makes sense. She continued, Others don't mind so much seeing things as they are. Charles said, Cool. So, hey, does this thing always go on here on this island? Clara said, Just in the evenings. He said, I'll come back to see you when I'm done in the real world. Charles returned to the pyramid and directed the door back to his apartment. He decided to call in sick for work, since he had a few more days off, and then pass out. He looked up at the top of the pyramid and said, Give me two days before, but no, the next morning, like 9.05 a.m. He staggered in, not noticing that the note had already been written, put on his phone, and called Jerome. Hey, I'm not feeling so good this morning. Is it alright if I take a sick day? Sure, sure.